Welcome to the She Fills Forward podcast, brought to you by Her Branding Co., the leading educational platform teaching female founders how to market, brand, and grow their businesses. We're your hosts, Jess and Mari, co-founders of Her Branding Co. Together, we have over 20 years of experience in marketing, branding, and entrepreneurship, and we know exactly what it feels like to take the leap having no idea how you'll come out on the other side. We believe that the pursuit of perfection is futile in entrepreneurship, and that failing forward is truly the best way to build a business. On the She Feels Forward podcast, we'll interview successful founders to explore the journey, trials, and tribulations they've overcome to building businesses that they love. Sit with us as we host live interviews, pull back the curtain, and dig into the nitty gritty of what it really takes to build a business and a brand that you can be proud of. Because even the most successful of business owners will admit that they're just figuring it out as they go. So without further ado, let's start the show. Today, we're chatting with Stacey Bernstein, co-founder of All Better Co., mom of three, three-time entrepreneur, former professional athlete, and an all-around amazing human being. I really and truly love all of our podcast guests, and we learn so much, yet I have to say I'm partial to this one. Stacy and I geek out over our long soccer careers, and we bring it full circle to highlight how playing competitive sports has shaped us into the leaders and business owners that we are today. On this episode, Stacy shares with us her journey to building and closing two businesses that she loved, yet chose to walk away from because it didn't align with the life she was living at the time, a hard and important decision for any founder to make. We chat about how her current company, All Better Co., is positioned to be a huge category disruptor. We chat about brand storytelling and why it's critical for launch and for growth and the fact that you can, and most likely will, go through several lifetimes of entrepreneurship throughout your career. And lastly, we end on words of advice and some wisdom, encouraging you to ultimately build a business around doing something that you really love. Let's start the show. Stacey, welcome to the show. You are up for us bright and early. It is West Coast your time, so we really appreciate you coming on the She Fills Forward podcast. Welcome. Thank you. So excited to be here with you, ladies. Well, we're excited to chat with you. So so to give some context to our listeners, we met Stacey when we joined the same cohort for the Dream Ventures Accelerator, which is hosted by Annie Evans and Laura Cox, and they are magnificent, wonderful, amazing women, and it was such an incredible experience. We did not get to see you in New York, though, so next time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't don't think that we don't want to get on a plane and come to New York City. Don't think <laughs> For any reason. And you're in LA. So, you know, I've never been to LA ever. And I would love... No, I just haven't. I've been to California, San Francisco, um, but I've never been to LA. Mm-mm. Yeah, what do you got against LA? You got to come down. This is... Yeah. I don't. I have nothing against LA. I just never really had like friends or associates there. So Um, here we go. If you come come to the city, I'm telling you, I have season tickets to Angel City, the new ladies soccer team here. So we could go. Okay. Now you're like, you're like really dangling (laughs) the carrot in front of me. And so, okay. 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 So listeners, so many things we need to talk about with Stacey. First of all, we were both soccer players. We need to like get that out of the way. So tell me all the things. When did you play? And also, this is really relevant, at least for me. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. For entrepreneurship, I know in my bones that being an athlete has been 
the thing that has made me a good leader, a good speaker, a good team player. So would love to get your thoughts on that after you tell me all the things about how you learn about your soccer journey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh my God, I got the chills because I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I love to talk about soccer. I'm mm-hmm. kind of um, a nerdy um yeah, I mean, I grew up kind of jockey, you guys. Like, I, I, I that was my thing, and I, I do tell people like I'm, I'm not gonna hide it. I started playing soccer when I was like three years old, um, back in the day when you know I come from a family with three kids. Like, I was just following wherever my sister went, um, and um, yeah, I mean, I did lots of different sports, but soccer was definitely the thing that stuck, and. Um, I really tell people, and this is a story for a whole different podcast, but. Um, you know, there definitely was some like many, many, many people, some trauma in my childhood and being on the soccer field was really my safe place. Mm. So I really also tell people that it was like just my safe place to step onto the soccer field and everything else went away. Mm. Um, but yeah, I played all through my youth. I played very competitively through my youth. Um, we have a program out here called ODP, which is Olympic Development Program. And I got to um, play for my state team. I got to play for my region and um, met some amazing ladies that um, are still, oh my goodness, most of them are now retired, but um, <laughs> people that um, you know were on the national team, got to play against them and friends that are coaching and doing amazing things. And then I am in Los Angeles and um, I decided to go as far away from home as possible. And I went to Boston university okay. and I played, um, division one soccer there. Um, quick shout out to my parents because they raised three children that all played collegiate soccer, by the way. Um, yeah, I don't know how that happens. And what? It's wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, uh, yeah, they raised real underachievers. So, um, (laughs) I played soccer in Boston and really like the gratitude toward that was, you know, helping me to get an education that potentially my parents otherwise couldn't afford, um, an opportunity and experience to go back there. My brother also played on the East coast. So we'd get to watch each other, um, play, uh, play our collegiate games, which was really, really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and I moved to New York after I graduated and I took about while I was there, I was on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, but eventually when I moved back to Los Angeles, which was not so long after, so I still had some young legs on me. Um, I played in a semi-professional league out here and, um, continue to compete. And, you know, let me tell you, I, I then started coaching and I've coached, um, all ages I've coached club soccer. I've coached the number one high school team here in Los Angeles. I coached um, at a college here. So I've coached every level. I've had a whole coaching life. Amazing. And um, I think to your point, like, I think that piece of it, just the input I've received in so many of my life skills, I attribute to that piece of my life. And by the way, let me tell you, I'm turning 45 this year. I have three children and I'm still playing soccer. Um, and I did it through all three of my pregnancies, much to, uh, you know, my husband wasn't always happy about that at times. Um, but you know, this is, you know, this last weekend I was explaining to my daughter, like going out on Sundays and being, I play on a co-ed soccer team with my brother and, um, it, it just fills my bucket. Like it fills my bucket. It, it brings me balance and it's part of my restorative health and my mental health. And even though I'm getting, you know, literally run around in circles by I play I kid you not there was this woman this past weekend who was incredible and we talked to her after and she said we asked her if she was still in school and she said oh I'm a senior and we said what college she said no at the high school down the street the high school the high school so that happened to me um right so that's my career but 
um, you know, going back again, I would just wholeheartedly agree that, you know, my collaborative skills, my leadership skills, my ability to trust the people around me, the facing and dealing with adversity and figuring out how to continue going. I mean, I, like the list just goes on and on and on of what I have taken from the sport and what I take from it. Um, I'm not, you know, I was never an individual sport athlete. Like, don't put me in a pool swimming on in a race. I, you know, I, I always just was drawn to team sports and mm. much like my professional journey has always been built around teams and collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, that is when I'm at my best. And um, I was a consultant for a couple of years and I loved it, but I was always working, you know, with other females. So I kind of had that piece of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, I just, I love it. I love sports. What, sport. a, what a journey. Yeah. Our journeys are, and what, what position did you play again? So um, in all through high school, I was an outside midfielder or attacking mid, and then in college, they I'm I'm way too short, so they stuck me up top. Um, okay. And um, my husband get really mad at me, but you know when you're done, Google me. Like I I still have some some records at um, BU that I still hold, which we're we're pretty proud of. I like to hang my hat on those days. That's amazing. I I was never a striker. I was always a center midfielder, which is so funny because we're geeking out right now in soccer terms. For those of you who don't know, strikers score goals. <laughs> and strikers usually, as they should, they always get the glory, right? But what people don't know is that there's a team behind those strikers who have to make the plays happen to bring the ball upfield. And for me, always being a center midfielder, or I played a stopper position, like in really, really crucial games. But usually a center midfield. And that is so indicative of how I also show up in the world. Like I'm always looking for like, what's the strategy? Who do I pass to next? Like, how do I stay? Orchestrate the things. Like, yeah. yes, like I'm very much the orchestrator of things. And that was so true. Whenever, whenever I played, like I did um, ODP as well. I played on a premier team as well. I didn't play in college. I was shortlisted for UCF um, back in Florida, but just wasn't able to make it happen at the time. And honestly, I was burnt out. I was burnt. Oh, it's, out. it's a job. Yeah. I mean, listen, I had a different college experience than many people. And yes. um, I, I, there, I don't regret anything, but there's a lot that I did miss out on. Yes. Um, but all good. You know, I was, I went, you know, 3000 miles away from home and I was already part of a family. So, um, and I was just actually two of my girlfriends called me this past weekend. They were in Florida together. So yeah, so it's been, Wonderful. it's, you know, and, and now getting to watch through a, a parent's lens is also pretty. So I was actually going to bring that up because you know, so, so you have three kids. I have two girls and, you know, my oldest now is five. I know you're, you're, you're on the upward journey than I am in my, in my motherhood journey. Um, but you know, I, as parents, as a mom, I should say, I'll speak for myself. I never want to ever push on to my girls what they should or should not do, but I do want to push on to them. Like you've got to find your thing. I don't care what that thing is. You got to find the thing. And if it ends up being sports, great. But if not, that's okay too. And I feel so strongly about that because it does great. really channel these leadership skills, these team building skills, these communication skills, all these things are going to set these kids up for success. Do you find that totally. too with your kids? I do. And we talk about that all the time. And um, we do, you know, we, we do actually right now while they're young enough, we ask them, I mean, pandemic, like that's a totally different story, but mm -hmm. you know, we ask them to participate in one physical activity, like a season, because we believe that that's part of like our lifestyle, not necessarily that um, sure. I happen to have um, really good, you know, my children are athletic, but I don't know if this is their thing. And it's interesting you say that my daughter, 
you know, we're raising kids at a very different time and a challenging time. And as you said, my oldest, um, I have, uh, my daughter Stella is 12 and a half and my middle son, Oliver, um, he is 10. And then Felix, my baby is seven, always mm-hmm. be my baby. And, um, you know, my daughter's really in it right now. She's in middle school and, um, we've had real open conversations. She does play soccer. We've had real open conversations about, um, sometimes the pressure she feel like feels right to kind of walk in these, she's a family, she has a soccer family. Like yeah. it just, um, and I can understand the pressure. Um, but you know, I've always told her the same thing, whatever you find passion and whatever brings you joy is that thing. And I want you to just learn how to channel it and, and work to be great at it and, and love it and find that fulfillment, mm-hmm. um, and that commitment. Now, again, I, I think especially for where my daughter is in life, you know, team sports are going to be such a huge part of her social emotional development and it's critical. So I'm grateful that she's in that and has, you know, these girls around her because, um, I do think that that plays into kind of like healthy overall, um, you know, just again, that input that it's, it's giving her during a time that is a little bit turbulent. A hundred percent middle school from when we were kids, right? Not same middle school, still hard when we were kids, but not the same. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, yeah, again, a different podcast, but super into that one too. Correct. Well, (laughs) listeners, thank you for letting us digress. And hopefully it's not too much of a digression because it does truly speak to entrepreneurship. And, you know, if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, I'm not an athlete. I, I have lost out in life. That's also not true, right? There's lots of different journeys to entrepreneurship. Mari raises her hand. Yes, that's me. That's that's totally (laughs) me. I never played, you know, team sports or sports in general, but um, But you're super athletic now that's mm-hmm. like something that I started doing and past my mid 20s because I realized that I so missed out and uh, in different ways you know like I had other experiences but my husband has played soccer his whole life so I I'm love uh, listening to this conversation and um and how it really applies to what you have learned and how you show up in the world even so many years later so I love that I went to one soccer practice because my husband and I are high school sweethearts and I wanted to impress him because he played soccer this whole time and I was like oh I want to play soccer too <laughs> I went to one soccer practice and I was like, nope. <laughs> and I turned it around and I was like, if this is what you want, this is not what you're going to get. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it taught me different lessons, I guess. Uh, but I but I love this and I totally see the connection. So I'm sure listeners do as well. But doesn't that even in of itself speak to like your ability as an entrepreneur, then like the mindset of willing to like take a risk? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like you, that was totally foreign to you and you walked out there and tried something new and um, isn't that just like what entrepreneurship is in of itself? Yeah. So you have yeah. to have that appetite for a little bit of that, that piece of it for sure. Risk and being vulnerable as well, because I mean, I never did, I didn't even do PE, physical activity and in um, school, like I took PE in the summer. That's how much I hated <laughs> physical activity. So the fact that I showed up to a uh, soccer practice that was, yeah, you're right. Um, very interesting. Yeah. That blows my mind, Mari, because you're so active like now, right? So, so, so interesting yeah. how things come, come full circle. Okay, Stacey. So let's, let's dive into entrepreneurship and you're a three-time business owner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've had many, you know, like I said, um, and I do think it's important for me to talk about age because, um, you know, I think that the business that I'm launching now is like, it's you guys, it's like the relationships, like it's the one, you know, and, but I definitely have had, I'm, I'm like a serial 
entrepreneur. Um, and I've had several lifetimes, um, in business and they kind of, um, all look different. And I don't even know if I put this down, but, um, you know, after I kind of, I, I came back to Los Angeles and I was coaching and I was teaching at my former high school, um, really to kind of like get my feet back. Um, I started in a, a working for a national sports league, um, because I thought I wanted, you know, when I came out of college, I thought I wanted to be a sports agent. And then I went to go work for like the number one sports agent in Boston. And I was like, kind of like you said, like, Oh no, that is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think I wanted to be in the world of sports. Cause it was passion. You know, that was my passion and, um, just not to go too far into that, but what was interesting was, you know, sometimes the things that we're most passionate about are not the things we're meant to be working toward a hundred percent of the time. And um, while I'm still super passionate about kind of the sports industry and sports entertainment, at the time, after about a year working for a professional sports league, I, I just, it wasn't fulfilling. And I, I kind of always have had this self-awareness even when I was young. And so I took some time and to like figure out what I wanted to do. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I took a huge risk. I grew up with a mom, um, both my parents worked, my, they both had their own businesses. And um, I had dreams of being a shop girl. Like my mom's best friend owned a little retail shop and I would go in as a girl, like a little girl and I'd help her fold and I'd greet the customers and I'd do all these things. And I just, I loved everything about it. I loved the community. I loved the um, picking out of the goods and all the things. And so, um, you know, again, keeping it brief, but I, I opened, I opened a kid's store. Like I was in my early twenties and I opened a kid's store and um, I had just gotten married and um, it was amazing. Everything I wanted it to be. And my husband and I, we look back on it and um, the recession in 2009 came um, a couple years after and I got pregnant. And so, you know, again, the reason I'm bringing up that chapter is because even in that business in of itself, that did not thrive for 10 or 12 years and then walked away, right? I had to make a really hard decision to walk away after a couple of years. We always say that every piece of investment, blood, sweat, and tears, it was as if I went to go get my MBA, mm. um, but I did it in real time. Mm-hmm. So like every piece of it, it was like my starter kit, like learning how to get a business license, um, get a retail license, uh, have purchase orders, inventory management, space physical space, yes. building it out, budgeting, a point of sale, like everything you could imagine. I was so hands-on in that. And I think that really, you know, again, did that business, was it a wild success? No. Did it bring me joy? Yes. Did I have to carry a little bit of debt afterward? I did. Um, but I'm standing and then I'm okay. And I took, I mean, the benefits and the rewards that I took from that alone, it, it just, it's immeasurable in terms of what I'm doing now. Um, yeah. So I'd love to ask, you know, to kind of stay there on the retail store side for a second, because I, I know a lot of our listeners have, are wanting to open a brick and mortar. They work with retailers, they have a product business. So I think, I think this journey would be really important to speak to, you know, obviously our podcast is called She Fails Forward and we're calling them our failing forward moments because to your point, we are learning as we go, we're getting real life MBAs. And every time we launch a new thing, or we grow into this new stage of our business, we have to stretch ourselves even more to be able to fulfill those shoes. So you said that you ultimately had to walk away. So why didn't it work? And why did you decide to walk away? Yeah, I mean, um, 
listen, it worked to the extent that we were paying all of our bills and we were paying our landlord and, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that was kind of it. Like we, we started at a time where the economy had been, you know, kind of at its peak and we, we picked a prime location for those of you that, that know kind of the Los Angeles area, we were in Santa Monica and we were paying, I mean, in, in rents alone, we were, we were paying like an ungodly amount. And so after, you know, and then in 2009, when the economy kind of really started to tank, um, like I said, I got pregnant and I started to look at overall how much time we had put into the business, how much money we had put in, which wasn't exorbitant or crazy. um, But, you know, what was our quality of life at that point? And what was it looking like? And Mm -hmm. I was really working so very hard, you know, we would have, we had one part-time employee, but really I was there so much still. And as I was looking down the kind of path of being a mom and what I was doing, I was, I really had a business to pay my landlord essentially. Like I was, Mm -hmm. you know, I, and, and we had to make some really tough decisions. I had to really hard ones. Like I had to walk away from a lease and that felt really, really heavy for me. Um, it all worked out. We went about it the right way and and did everything with kind of as much dignity and grace as, um, you know, one can do in that situation. And Mm -hmm. so it all worked out because of the way that we approached it. But I just think ultimately, um, I, I chose quality of life over what I was, I was getting in return at that point and about to have my first child and what that needed to look like and wanted to look like. But I, there were a lot of tears and it was hard and it was letting something go. And I definitely think at the time there were moments where it felt like a failure to make that choice. And I think that's, you know, I'm a big believer in the universe and the, the higher power of whatever that is for, for you and for me, the universe and, and kind of being open to that. And that's something I've really worked on over time as well. But, um, I, I think I realize right. The universe, it has a plan. Um, sometimes we don't know it in the moment. And so I say that because again, in, in those moments, it felt devastating at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, shortly after my, my daughter came and, um, you know, I believe babies bring bread and, um, things turned and got better and opened my eyes to, you know, a different sensibility of how I wanted to be an entrepreneur because there was no version that, that was going away from me. That pull was still there, but I think what I wanted it to look like to also be a mom, um, gave me a new perspective on what was going to come next and then gaining perspective on the experience I had. Mm -hmm. So beautifully said, I have a very similar journey, you know, having run an agency, sort of the same thing, like successful to a point, but like we needed to make that next step, that next stage of growth. And my first was on the way. And, you know, what is being a working mom look like for me? And how do I want to contribute to that dialogue? And you bring up a topic that is so resonates with Mari, I'm sure Mari and myself, and also with our listeners, because, you know, fast forward to now, right, at the time we're recording this episode, 2022, there's a very specific version of what entrepreneurship is supposed to look like online, right? You're supposed to be raising millions in capital. And like, that's great if you're doing that. I know that you have fundraised, which we're hopefully definitely going to get to. And that's wonderful. But entrepreneurship looks a very certain way. It's very glossy and Instagrammable and filtered and highlighted, which is really why we're having the show is to really peel back the layers of that. And something that we talk about a lot with our founders and our programs is you need to be building a business 
that is very intentional with the life you want to live. So if you do want to raise millions of capital and you do want to be the next unicorn, for example, that's amazing and wonderful. What are the trade-offs that you're going to have to do, consciously do, in order to build a business of that size and vice versa. If you don't want to build a unicorn and you just like, you're like, I just want my Etsy shop to be successful and that would bring me so much joy so I could spend time with my kids. That's amazing too. But then those are, those also have trade-offs like you're going to be lower in revenue. You're probably going to grow slower. You're not going to have right lots of resources. So it's always a trade-off and a push and pull. And I loved that you shared that story because I mean, I can think of no less than 10 founders on the platform right now who are constantly dealing with this dialogue of, I love my business, but it's killing my life and it's yeah. stressing me out. And I've built something that I can no longer really keep pace with. And um, so many women struggle with that. Yeah. I mean, I get it. And I, and I think that you, you know, I've, I've sat back and I, I do, I try to do a lot of reading and I listen to a lot of different speakers. And, and I do think that um, it was a few years ago that I think it's do setting those intentions, right. And understanding, and also understanding that the, your intentions and what you want that to look like will shift and change. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what I, you know, did shortly after um, I closed that business, you know, what that needed to look like. And then, you know, I think now with my kids being, like you said, on the other side of some things like that, you know, I don't, my child, my children don't need me less. They just need me in a different way. And so, um, I would be lying if I said, actually, it's not, there's a more of an emotional kind of drain as they get older. Right. But, um, I can, I think they're also old enough that we can set as a family, what the boundaries look like. I have the most incredible partner and my husband, and, um, he's so incredibly supportive with everything that I've ever done. And so, um, you know, having that too, like having the partner that kind of, um, shares that vision and what that's going to look like is, is really important. And like I said, it, it looked different at different phases of prior to kids when my kids were little and, and what it looks like now. And I love that you said that about, you know, what do you want your life to look like? And then, you know, working kind of backwards from that. And I think whether you're, whether you're single, whether you're married with family, whether you're married and and childless by choice, whatever it is, like, you know, I think there has been this shift, um, you know, especially if I've felt it specifically in like the last five or six years for entrepreneurs to really have, you know, think about that and, um, manifest the life that they want and understanding that that comes right. Like you just said, I'm echoing it, but, Mm -hmm. um, either way with different compromises, um, with different objectives and and different choices. Right. And so, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I've, I've been really intentional about that and I've been really intentional with my business partner right now with that as well. Um, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. I know I'm skipping over a second career, but let's talk about that because I love all better co I could totally see in the copywriting and the brand positioning that you're a brand girl at heart. And I know that you've worked with brands like Pottery Barn, Target, like, you know, Converse. So would love to 
you know, go there in the conversation and really talk about the storytelling piece of your brand. Um, I particularly really like the itch by on the hero because uh-huh. I I get the reference and I, I love it. Um, oh, so I love that it lands. I it, love to hear that. It okay, lands good. with me, but, you know, that's that's totally my personality. <laughs> it might not land with somebody else, but totally. it, it definitely lands with me. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, tell us about this new venture and this new stage of life that you're in and, you know, what all this is meaning meaning to you. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, yes, we jumped over it, but I think important to know that um, I also had an agency, um, an experiential marketing agency for, um, oh goodness, I, I can't remember. It was five or seven years. And that we got to that same point, super successful. I had the most incredible partners, um, geniuses, like we all brought different skill sets. And um, I remember when my third one was born, like, listen, talk about priorities. Like, I think he was home three days. And I remember like, him on on my like nursing pillow. And I was on a conference call with the CMO of target. Like, you know, I, and I think that again, that was another lens looking through, like we got to the point where we either needed to scale or we, we needed to kind of move on. And, And we did some incredible things. And we, again, made a choice to walk away from something that was actually incredibly successful. It just wasn't giving us back the life that we wanted. And, um, also with hard choices. So I consulted for a while with lots of female entrepreneurs. Um, that was great. And then um, the pandemic. And um, so my business partner and I had actually met prior to the pandemic. Our kids um, are in school together. And um, Marav, my partner, um, who uh, is an exceptional human being, mom and business person, um, we you know, for a while, we were just kind of thought partners. We would talk and I was still in my other business consulting and I would have, um, you know, I'd be come up against some issues and she was just a really good thought partner. We'd talk through it and ways of communicating. She's, um, really like an operational thinker and, um, how to like build efficiencies, even through like, whether it's through an event, whether it's through language, whether it's through infrastructure. Um, and the other thing that we really love to talk about, um, was plant medicine and we had that in common. And, um, so they're strange things, but they brought us to, with plant medicine, um, side note here, at the same time that was happening in Los Angeles, we were having an uptick in these like crazy mosquitoes. And um, we're in Southern California, we're being outdoors, like that's pretty much why we're here, right? Our quality of life, the life that we built is kind of built around the idea that we can be outdoors pretty much all year round. I mean, look mm-hmm. out my window right now. It's, Beautiful. Um, so um but we have kids that are really allergic like everyone's allergic to mosquitoes but the level of allergen you know it varies and it was really really tricky and um it was just something we would commiserate about a ton her son also has eczema another skin situation so all of that leading to um all better co because we hit the days early days of the pandemic and um you know that was march and we get to april so we start seeing an uptick in mosquitoes start seeing the uptick in mosquitoes and you know here we are if you remember in those early days like we're totally locked down i have parents that were kind of you know we were being extra extra cautious but they're really involved in their grandkids life it was devastating not to see them so the only way at the time we could see them was by sitting outside in our front yard you know across like setting up our chairs and sitting But that was getting really difficult because we were all getting eaten alive and we were so uncomfortable that my kids were like, I, I can't see Momo right now because I, I'm the mosquitoes. That's a really awful like feeling. And so 
again, I was, we were commiserating Marav and I, and one day she called me and she had this idea for a patch. Essentially, um, we'd been seeing all of these kind of um, blemish patches on the market. And she said, I'm not seeing anything on the market for mosquito bites. Like what if we develop a patch, we infuse it with botanicals and we market it for mosquito bites. And it was like, I, I said, that's a great idea. You should do that. And she said, what do you mean you? Like, no, no, we're doing that. And we were off to the races. And so um, we started to dive in. So again, building like this business around plant powered products. And as we started to dive in specifically around CBD, once we saw that there was all this, you know, beauty and wellness and all these pieces around CBD, that wasn't really what we were going after. We wanted really kind of um, intentional, singular products that, you know, work like day to day and safe for the entire family. Mm -hmm. And so all better co was really developed out of that desire to have better, cleaner products for our family and those everyday kind of situations like bug bites, like sunburns, um, like kind of all of those things. But to go back to your very specific question for me, I mean, our products are amazing. And we think about, um, we think about delivery and the way like we think of you know application and we think about how moms and how um, heads of households want to use them so ease and convenience all of those things but I also knew deep in my heart that this was about how we were going to tell that brand story how we were going to convey that through our aesthetic point of view through our copy through our education and building trust with the consumer mm -hmm. because we're asking a lot of them we are asking you know families to believe in plant medicine to believe in the safety and efficacy to bring them in their homes and use them on everyone in their family skin from grandparents to parents to children and so um, I think how we were going to tell that and that narrative was critical. And from day one, um, I said, I'm investing in branding. I, that is my number one request. Um, if we're going to bootstrap, fine. Um, really good branding comes at an expense. Mm -hmm. um, but I just believed in it wholeheartedly. And I, and I have to say where we are right now, even we even say with our brand partners that this is V1, but they crushed it. It's so good. I love it so much. It's incredible. The aesthetic is so spot on. So talk to us about that brand storytelling. Let's kind of dive deeper in that. Whether, you know, in addition to everything you just said, like plant-based, family-focused, like being able to use on everyone, all members of your family, can you get really tactical and geeky marketing with us for our listeners who were like, I have a brand story too. That's really important to me too. How do I even think about tackling this, this monster yeah. in the room? Yeah, it's a great question because that feels really overwhelming and daunting. And also, um, well, from the beginning, it was important, um, our brand partners, right? So we, it's interesting you use that Etsy analogy because that was when, um, you know, my partner and I kind of held hands and said, we're going to do this. We both believed at this point in our lives, right? Um, I We were ready to kind of build a hundred million dollar company, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. We said, we're not looking to build an Etsy company. Like that's just, we are looking for both um, a product and a brand that is gonna change the way that we see this category, like disrupting the first aid category a bit. But we honestly wanna develop a brand that's gonna change our family's lives. And we talk about that all the time. Um, we, you know, I don't, our goal isn't to build an evergreen company. We are building a company that we will track it and build it with a blueprint so that we are looked at by other mm -hmm. companies to hopefully 
get picked up. Exit. Yeah. Build towards that exit. And so um, in doing so, again, building that brand story and that compelling brand story is going to, is one of our key differentiators. And that can be overwhelming because there are so many incredible people out there that can tell your story. And where do you start? Do you start with just a copywriter? Do you start with just the look and feel? And so we decided really to hone in on the look and feel piece of it first. Um, But we were also committed to not only finding the right partners, where we could, we wanted to support and work with other female founded businesses. That was a very top priority for us. So in a way that helped us to kind of dial in on who we were looking at. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, I've always belonged to a couple of communities, female led communities, um, resources. um, And I believe that actually, I think it was Hey Mama. I was on Hey Mama at the time. And I just kind of started diving into all the threads because there's incredible women asking um, for um, contacts or referrals all the time. And I just did a little bit of a deep dive. And I honestly came across this incredible agency that was right here in Los Angeles. And we, um, we did get a couple of different, um, uh, um, proposals and we looked at them and we looked at their budgets and my partner, when she saw some of them, listen, like definitely jaw fell down a little bit because Mm -hmm. they range like, listen, for your listeners, those can range anywhere from $5,000 to Mm $80,000. And we didn't have $80,000, but I also knew at $5,000, that really is more of that, like, are we building really small here? So I needed something in the middle and that was scary. That price tag was still scary. Again, not 80, but not five. Mm -hmm. Um, And we found an incredible group of women here and their team. And um, we had our first call and we did some of like, we did our first initial brand work, right? So they, um, their kind of brand strategist sat with us and she interviewed us and asked us all these questions to work to get what was in our heads out on paper. And that first exercise, they knocked it out of the park. It was unbelievable. So now I'm just letting you know, because I think it's important to talk about numbers. We're about $10,000 into this relationship. And now it's time for them to come back with our first brand exercise in, um, in like our icons and the more visual side of it to come with that brand ID side of it. And we get it and my business partner and I kind of hold the bucket of the kind the marketing bucket a little more. So we, we both have input, but this is kind of my silo. Mm -hmm. And, um, she said, you know, I I feel okay about it, but how do you, and I, I just, something wasn't sitting right with me. And we went back and tried to communicate how we were feeling and they tried to come back at it again. And it just wasn't landing. It Mm. just wasn't landing. And I couldn't put my finger on it, but I went to my partner and I said, I don't, I don't think we're going to get there. I I think they do an incredible job, but I don't think when it comes to our aesthetic, I don't think they're going to get there. And I think we have to figure this out. And so we had to have a really hard conversation with the head of that agency, whom I really respect and admire. And you know what? We were just really honest about the whole thing. We just Mm -hmm. know, again, we approached everything the way we're building our business with, like I said, integrity and grace. And I acknowledged the work that they had done. And at the end of the day, just said, I'm we just don't think you're going to get there. So what does that look like? And as much grace and integrity as we tried to come to the table with, it was met in return twofold. And they couldn't have been more appreciative of the way that we approached it. Um, It was not a reflection on their work. 
it was just not working together at that point. That was going to make sense, Mm -hmm. but we were leaving $10,000 on the table. And as a startup, that stung, that really, really stung. That's a lot of money. Um, and we did it and we sat on it and it was frustrating, but then within a week, we had a phone call with someone else who's now part of our team, our digital marketing team. And she said, I have this great team in Atlanta. I'd love for you to connect with them. And yeah. (laughs) Um, And let me tell you, had we not gone through that first exercise, we would have not have found Ampersand Mm -hmm. and their team. And they are like, there's no other way to say it. They're just magic. They Mm -hmm. have you know, built our brand ID like of our dreams. They get it. They um, are in it with us. They are true partners in every sense of it. That not only did they then handle our visual piece, but now they are brand storytellers helping us find our voice. They are going to handle all of our social media because we've we've grown over the last year just such an incredible trust with them. And so as they're growing and we're growing, we're doing it together. Mm-hmm. And had I not put that $10,000 and left it behind, I would have never met this incredible team. And I actually feel so fortunate and lucky to have gotten there because here we are. Amazing. Yeah, Stacey, I, I love this story because we often tell our founders so much that you're going to have to make tough choices and you're going to have to pivot and you're going to have to restart sometimes and go back to it. But I think something that comes up often is like, they think they're, we think we're in too deep, right? Like we have, we're $10,000 in now, this is a decision that I make. I have to follow through and, and see it, see it through. But sometimes looking at that opportunity cost or that long-term loss of what that could mean is so much more important and having that vision, right? Of, okay, if I stay on this, on track for this decision that I made, what does that look like versus what if I take a step back and reassess and perhaps pivot and lose what is on the table right now, but gain so much more. So I'd love to ask, how did you make that decision? Like, what was the pivotal moment that you said, okay, the $10,000 is is small potatoes compared to what we could be losing if we keep going this way? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I want to acknowledge because I've I've worked with a lot of solo, um, especially solo female entrepreneurs that... um, I am in a partnership. I have a business partner and there are a lot partners, partnerships across the board, whatever kind we're talking about can be really hard. But when you're in a really good partnership, um, you get really lucky because you have someone to bounce these decisions off of. So I want to acknowledge that for a solo entrepreneur, I think these kinds of decisions are even more difficult because sometimes you're on an island and you have to make these choices alone. And so just to speak to that, I think it's really important for solo entrepreneurs to have um, really trusted thought partners, to have an advisor and someone that they can talk to that has experience to bounce these types of things off of. Because those type, this type of decision, I, it would have been impossible to make on my own. Like I'm an overthinker. I, um, I constantly use the expression, um, analysis paralysis. Like I I get very deep in the weeds in my own thought process. And so again, my partner is really good at um, kind of extrapolating and pulling from my brain. Okay. Well, what, you know, what are you trying to say? What is making you uncomfortable? What can we do? And so, um, you know, we got really granular before we made the decision. We, 
looked at our contract. We needed to make sure that like, you know, what our liabilities were. And um, we luckily, you know, have some legal resources in, in, in our network. So we could kind of look at someone that, so that we could come to the table with um, a solution that we fair, thought was fair and reasonable. Um, and I think it was ultimately like that exact conversation. It took us a few days to work in circles that, you know, we were bootstrapping with our own money at the time and not that it's easier to walk away from someone else's money, but you know, it's, it's coming from our savings and mm -hmm. we're in a pandemic and we're not, you know, making money. That was really, really scary, but we had each other to talk through that. And so um, I think just those hard conversations to have that person to talk through and ultimately it's exactly what we came away with. You know, it's, it's as devastating in the moment, but in big picture, the size of the business that we're trying to create this, it, it will be just like a, a blip on the radar. Right. Um, and we just had to believe and we had to trust and take a chance. And that's really hard work. I'm not, I'm pretty risk adverse in general, but, um, yeah, you, you gotta be willing to take some risks. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, I feel like we could just keep going, going, going. So we, yeah. we do have to, and maybe we'll have you back on the show again, because I, we didn't even get to touch on your, we didn't get to touch on your fundraising journey, which I think is really important. Um, so definitely we'd love to have you back. So as, as we move to a close, there is one super tactical piece I, I'd love to go back to when you were talking about choosing the agency in LA and then choosing the agency in Atlanta. And for those of you who can't see me, I put my hands up because I'm clearly in Atlanta. So, um, so for the founders who, who are listening, who are like, I'm ready, I have the funds, I'm ready to engage in the agency. What questions should they be asking? Like how, right? Like how did you know the questions to ask the new agency based off of your experience with the one in LA and what would you advise founders who are looking to engage with an agency so they can realistically and strategically evaluate if they're truly the right partner? What would that look like? Yeah, that's a, um, a really great question. And I think it's, um, I think it's definitely layered, but, um, I think whenever, you know, you talk to an agency again, I, so many blessings out of the pandemic. I, I know that I'm, I'm really, really fortunate in the position that um, I was in the entire time. Um, but, and it was so hard, but man, like I've just, I've, the Zooms, the amount of people I've been able to meet in this, you know, new way, of course it existed before, but to really take advantage. So um, I say that because first of all, we were able to engage with um, folks anywhere else we wanted, right? In a different way. And I think in New York, oftentimes people work with agencies in New York because they have an office in Los Angeles, but you know, not really thinking about it. And the other big advantage, I'm just gonna you know, say that working with folks in Atlanta is that from a cost perspective, um, different. it actually, mm -hmm. um, we're saving money in places. Like, and we do everything out of Atlanta because here in Los Angeles, um, there's just, you know, the, the costs are slightly higher on all things, photography, assets, all these types of things. So I think now what's really beautiful is that we have access to all these smaller agencies all over the place that are incredibly talented. I was looking um, to talk to people in Texas and talking to, you know, people in places I had never thought of before. But of course, like there's incredible storytellers all across the country. Mm -hmm. So I think first of all, like being open to talking to people all over the place um, is a huge bonus that we and take away from this process now because we have access to people. And then other questions, I think understanding your needs so that you can understand their team size, I think is important. I think understanding um, 
with that size, how many clients they are taking on. So at any given time, how many different accounts are they touching and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, I, I mean, this might be obvious, but I think it's really important to look at, um, past projects and like, look, having people show you what that looks like. And if they're just doing your website, what does that look like? Are they only building off templates? Have they done customized sites? Um, do they, if you're going to do retail, do they have e-commerce experience? So you kind of have to dive into these little buckets and then, you know, some do branding, but they might not do packaging. So if you're doing, um, a consumer package, good, you know, packaging is going to be really important. And how many people are you willing to go to? We wanted to where we could streamline as much as possible. So I think understanding their full scope and what they can do is really important so that you can work backward to see what is important for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the size of the team, who you want to work with again, for us, um, female founded was really, really important. Um, budgets. I think, you know, how do, how do they track for that and what's transparency? Um, and the other big thing for us is, um, feedback cycles, you know, what is timing like and feedback cycles and, um, how do they want to receive feedback and in what time? And I I would imagine from your side, you know, that on the branding side, oftentimes what takes the longest are these feedback cycles. Yes. So our team was incredible of saying, Hey, we're going to deliver, um, you know, logo version one and we need feedback within 48 hours Mm -hmm. and then it became back they put it back on the client that we needed to meet those timelines in order for everything to hit how we wanted to Mm -hmm. so i think understanding feedback cycles is really important and then how they want to receive feedback um i think those are really important pieces and then at the end of the day for us you know whitney who's the head of our agency um they sent our proposal. She got on a zoom with us, which wound up being, you know, we set it for an hour. I'm sure we were on for two hours. And, you know, when we got off, it's like any other relationship. Like we just knew when we, Mm -hmm. when it, when it hit and it landed, we just knew they under, they understood our vision. They were excited about our vision. Um, They knew that it was going to be a challenge and they were up for it. And I think their enthusiasm and then their work, um, and their desire all kind of like helped to bring this like beautiful marriage to they fruition. Were, they were energetically super aligned. We talk yeah. about that. I forget which episode. I think we talked about it in a few different episodes where, you know, at some point you just have to really follow your your intuition, you know, and yeah. just, just follow your gut and, and entrepreneurship. You're so busy learning from others as you should. And you're so busy consuming information elsewhere and outwardly that oftentimes we just really forget to just sit in it for a second and just like sit with ourselves and does this like energetically really align with with what I want yeah there you have it founders if you're looking for an agency make sure that you expand your horizons find out if your scope aligns with their scope do your research and trust your gut that's mm-hmm. amazing Cece love it um, all right so as we come to a close to this episode we'd love to ask you if you have any final words of wisdom uh, one piece of advice that you love to share with our listeners and any resources you mentioned earlier you were a, an avid reader so if you have any books that you recommend we'd love to add those to the show notes and overall where can where can we connect with you where can our listeners find you and all better co and where can yeah, the moms buy you. your products yes. oh my gosh you guys we're so close we're getting there um yeah I mean, I think that, um, you know, being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. And, um, you know, again, here I am at 
I'm turning 45 this year and I have a beautiful family and I've had incredible careers. And, um, you know, I believe that this one now is like the one I've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. So I just think that, um, I think to remember that you could have several lifetimes and several careers before you get to the one in that place, that's really going to, you know, as I said at the beginning, fill your bucket. And this one does it's, you know, we kind of all say that, like, I, I know that this is going to be successful, but if it all kind of like fell down tomorrow, I'd be so incredibly proud of the work um, that we've done and the knowledge that I've gained. And so, you know, resilience and staying with it and, um, you know, doing what you love, honestly, doing what you love. Um, yeah, so All Better Co. is launching and we're launching with our hero products, our Don't Scratch That Patch and our Don't Scratch That Pen. Um, it's going to be amazing. We are um, at allbetterco.com where we will have products available to all of your listeners and all of their families, um, you know, bringing better products to everyone's home. Um, we're also on Instagram at Get All Better. I'd love for people to check out our feed and our storytelling that we're doing there for more education. Um, and listen, my time is, is short as much as I I love to read. I do a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of listening now. Um, and I, I really just try and stay informed. And so, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm a, how you built, how I built this junkie. Like I, I love all of the episodes. I, I love listening to entrepreneur stories. Um, we have an advisor by the name of Fran Hauser and she just, um, came out with her second book, but she's a New York times bestselling author. And I have to say the reason that she was our number one person to go after was because um, we believe in building a brand um, around kindness and inclusivity and with intention and integrity. And Fran literally wrote a book on it. So um, it felt like our, our world aligned. So um, I think it's about finding great founder stories and um, yeah. Beautiful. What a beautiful episode. This has been such an amazing conversation. I could do this all day. Oh, uh, we definitely have to have you back. I mean, for sure, for sure. Would love to have you back. Would love to dive deeper into these brand values because this is like a huge issue, a huge pain point for a lot of founders. But for now, we will close. And thank you so much for coming on the show. You are a light. And I'm so grateful that we got to meet you through the Dream Ventures Accelerator and, you know, continue our partnership and every which way that takes us. I love it. Thank you for having me. I, I can't wait to listen to all that you guys are doing. We hope you loved this episode. Here at Her Branding Co., we are deeply passionate about getting female founders access to the right marketing and branding education, tools, and resources that they need to build and grow their businesses. If you're interested in learning more about how Her Branding Co. can support you, check out our platform. You can think of us as the masterclass for female founders wanting to learn the ins and outs of branding and marketing. Our platform gives you access to a rich resource library of marketing courses, trainings, downloadable guides, workbooks, and other tactical, actionable resources that you can use in your business today. Platform members also receive exclusive access to monthly live mentoring sessions with incredible entrepreneurs who are dedicated to coaching you live. If you miss any of our trainings, everything is recorded and uploaded into your membership vault to access at any time. We add new trainings and courses monthly, and we're always on the lookout for the best marketing and branding resources to help you grow. We host live monthly masterclasses, which are free and completely open to anyone to attend. So head on over to our website, herbrandingco.com and sign up for a free class. On our website, you'll also see information about the Lucy Lab, our eight-week application-based marketing accelerator program, as well as our Marketing Mastermind, a 12-week mastermind program that's dedicated to helping you create, launch, and hit your marketing and sales goals. 
Of course, you can follow us on Instagram at herbrandingco, and you're always welcome to email us at hello at herbrandingco.com. To your success. This is Jess and Mari signing off, and we'll see you at the next episode.